What's up, everyone? Tom Workis here, and welcome back to another broadcast of In the Trenches, your weekly dose of inspiration, motivation, and practical marketing tips, tricks, and strategies that are so good, they might just melt your brain. Quick shout out to Katie B for her five-star review on iTunes. Here's what Katie has to say about In the Trenches. Quote, Tom and his incredibly knowledgeable guests talk all things business, but it's so much more than that. You'll get tons of actionable advice and tangible tips, but you'll also get heaps of inspiration from truly engaging individuals that have been where you are and want to see you succeed. Thanks so much for putting out such a spectacular show, Tom. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Katie. You nailed it and obviously have good taste in podcasts. Coincidentally, today's show is about one such truly engaging individual who's been where you've been and wants to see you succeed. I'm excited to introduce Jonathan Kaiser. Jonathan is the founder and CEO of Kaiser. By using his own selfless service model, Jonathan was able to turn Kaiser into the largest tenant rep commercial real estate firm in Arizona in just six years. The rapid growth and continued success of Kaiser inspired Jonathan to share, teach, and train the next generation of selfless leaders using his model. And voila, the Kaiser Institute was born. To top it all off, Jonathan is also the Wall Street Journal bestselling author of You Don't Have to Be Ruthless to Win, a book that chronicles Jonathan's journey from self-described ruthlessness to selfless service including why and how he did it and how you can do the same. On this call, we talk about why you don't have to be ruthless to win at business or life or really anything, that there's another way to do things. We also talk about why you must align your business model with your values and how to inculcate this in your team. Bottom line, tons of great insights from today's conversation, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. Ready? Let's get to it. So Jonathan, let's kick things off with where does the book begin? Because I think this is the perfect subject to dive into. And you know, when we're talking about being ruthless to win, or, or in this case, you don't have to be ruthless to win, where does that story actually begin? Because it seems like it starts with a, a little bit of ruthlessness on your part. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, I used to be a ruthless cutthroat commercial real estate broker. But actually, my story begins earlier. I was actually a Christian missionary kid in Papua New Guinea. And my parents taught me from an early age to love and serve and give. That's what they were all about. All they wanted to do was help other people. And so I was taught that. And then when I got back from overseas, I had the uh, new awareness that, that we were poor. And so to me, I associated the love and service that my parents lived with being poor. And I didn't like being poor. <laughs> so I decided at a young age, I was going to be rich. And so I got into commercial real estate brokerage because I wanted to be rich. And as I got in, I realized really quickly, wow, this is a cutthroat industry and everybody is scratching and clawing and fighting their way to the top. And I said, okay, again, I don't want to be broke like my parents. If this is what it takes to be successful, I'm in. So I became ruthless and uh, I'm an overachiever, Tom. So I became probably more ruthless than most. But I was miserable. I was having some level of success, but I was misaligned with my core values. But I felt trapped. I didn't know that there was a better way or there could be a better way. And then 15 years ago, I went to a conference and a guy gets up and a speaker starts talking about doing business differently, about succeeding through this idea of investing in others and helping other people. So long story short, reinvented myself around it. And now today, we've uh, built the largest commercial real estate brokerage firm of our kind uh, in Arizona and one of the fastest growing in the country. And what we're all about is about 
uh, a culture of selfless service, of, of demonstrating, you know, you talk a lot about leadership on this podcast and showing that selfless leadership can actually lead to extraordinary success. And, you know, the cool part for me is I came full circle and realized that the exact same things that my parents were teaching me as a, as a young boy actually work in business. But I think the biggest challenge we have in today's society is people don't know how, right? They don't know how to take that um, doing good that they know how to do in their personal lives and actually put it into, into practice in business to create success. And so that's why I wrote the book, You Don't Have to Be Ruthless to Win, so that any business leader could pick it up and say, okay, how do I create a culture of service for myself so that I can create extraordinary success? Because I believe that selfless service was actually the greatest business principle of all time. But I just think the, the gap, what's missing is the how. So I wrote the book to try to teach people how. So I want to break down ruthlessness real quick and then look at like the alternative. So for a second on this one, when you say ruthless, what, is that, what did that mean like to you in terms of like how you actually say led or managed or ran things or operated even individually, like in, individualistically, like in that in that space, that competitive space of commercial brokerage, and and or you know what does that look like for when you're using that word? What typically does that connotate? Like, what is ruthlessness in business to begin with? That's a good question. I mean, to me, ruthlessness is putting yourself ahead of everyone else, right? So it's winning at all costs. That's that's kind of the fundamental, and 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 people in you know, commercial real estate's not alone, but because I'm in commercial real estate, I have a pretty distinct experience set and um, perspective on it. I mean, if you just think about, l- let me give you an example. So mm-hmm. early on in my career, I was cold calling and in and, and, and commercial real estate, cold calling is how you get the majority of your business. And so I was knocking on, you know, office buildings, uh, tenants' doors, Trying to ask them if they needed more space, could I represent them? So I bumped into this um, fast-growing technology company where this uh, we'll call her Nancy. Nancy was the CEO, and Nancy needed more space because she was hiring thirty people a month and couldn't keep up with the growth. And so I talked her into helping me or letting me help her find new space. And so what did I do? Well, in a fast-growing company like that, they do not need. Uh, long-term fixed contracts because they're going to probably outgrow those quickly. But for me, I knew that I got paid a bigger commission if I did a longer-term lease. So I talked her into a 10-year lease. And then I also uh, made sure that I showed her just the properties that made the most sense uh, financially for me. So the most expensive, the ones that were paying the highest commissions, and also the ones that I knew those landlords would then turn around and give my business uh, more work. So here, here Nancy was hiring who she thought was somebody helping her, when in reality, it's somebody who's just trying to get as much as he can for himself, talking her into the worst possible thing she could have done, which is a very expensive building um, uh, on a long-term lease. And when there were much, much better options at much less cost, but that would have meant a much smaller commission for me. So that's just one example of the kind of behavior that occurs. I also, in, so, so that's like with a client inside the organization, I remember I will call this guy uh, Jeff. 
And Jeff was a, a senior guy in the office when I was young in the business. And he was a pretty nice guy. And I took him to drinks under the guise of wanting to get to know him. But the reality was, is that I knew he represented a particular building and I wanted to represent some of the tenants in that building that he represented. So I took him to drinks, uh, got him loosened up a little bit, and he started talking freely about all the challenges of that building as I directed the conversation that way. And then the very next morning, I took all that information I had just gathered and went around into all the tenants telling them how all these problems with the building and with the building ownership and trying to convince them to hire me to move them out. So just a very, very cutthroat, ruthless environment. I remember, you know, I write about this in the book where as soon as a young guy appears to have landed upon an opportunity, all of a sudden a bunch of newfound friends come over and just sort of huddle around his or her desk. Uh, trying to figure out who that tenant is so they could go call on him himself, trying to pick the brain of the person with the opportunity. So just this environment where everybody's scratching, clawing, fighting, and trying to get the most for themselves, regardless of the collateral damage it causes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's fascinating because when I, when I asked that question, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, you know, am, am I ruthless or, or who, who are the people I think of as ruthless? Um, and, uh, and what's the difference between, say, ruthlessness and, and appropriate aggressiveness? In business, right? There's got to be some kind of line, right? Because I think, I think that's kind of where um, a lot of people might get tripped up, or, 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 or you know, when thinking about this, it's like, yeah, there's the ruthlessness, but then on the other extreme, I, I think ruthlessness sometimes might be a, a reaction, a counter to, well, I don't want to be lazy, or I don't want to, you know, you know, and obviously that desire to 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 get results. But I guess I'm wondering then, once you you understand that it's, you don't have to do it that way. I'm wondering. What what are your what's the alternative approach? So you had mentioned this idea of self service. So maybe you can break that down and we can kind of go in depth about this. Like what then is the, the approach? Because you still want to make money and you still want to be profitable and all that. And you and you know so it's like you know I I understand that like probably in the moment it's like how how can somebody think about their I guess behavior on on a um, higher level and then maybe we can break down the 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 specifics. Yeah, I think that's a great question, and 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 I'll answer it a couple different ways. Number sure. one is, I am the opposite of soft. Anybody that knows me knows that I am a super Type A personality, very driven, ridiculously hardworking. Um, we're ferocious negotiators on behalf of our clients. As a firm, we represent tenants only. If you think about traditional commercial real estate brokers, they primarily, like in the story I just described, they primarily get their their revenue from representing building owners. And so these tenants all across the globe just get screwed by not having representation that's truly in their court. So that's the first thing we do. And we're ferocious for our clients. So for me, it's not about being soft. I think that's part of the problem with this idea or this message of service. I think people have, number one, this idea that it's somehow an obligation. Like if you say you're about selfless service, that anybody that has any need, you have to somehow fulfill it. Service by the very definition has to be a choice. And so for me, the way that I reinvented myself from ruthless to selfless was by following a very simple protocol. And that protocol is I would try to, to identify those people that, that I would love to either do business with or network with or that were connectors or that were you know prospective future clients. 
And I would try everything in my power to figure out how I could be of service to them. So selfless service to me, number one, you have to be strategic because we all only have so much time and we can't just do everything that everybody needs. So it has to be a choice. And then number two, looking for ways that you can selflessly help other people is what I've built my entire career on. Now, to do that requires that you have a level of number one, being present. So it's pretty hard to, you know, to figure out how to help people if you don't listen and most people don't listen. And so number one, being fully present, not distracted by your phone or by the thoughts in your head about what you're going to say next or anything, really being of service to that person. And then trying to identify ways that are outside, right? For a lot of your people online that are entrepreneurs, something relative to marketing, it's not just about trying to get them to buy your services, buy your products, buy your courses, whatever. It's about figuring out what these people really need and trying to deliver value to them outside of your scope of service. For me, that was things such as helping them make connections for their own business or helping them with uh, family stuff, like helping their kids get jobs. We've helped people find doctors. Uh, for it, it's, it's looking for things that they need. But again, you got to be able to be present and you got to be willing to care enough where you're going to ask questions of them that are, that are really going to help you identify what are those areas you can add value to them. And then when you identify those and you do them, you got to do them without this expectation of quid pro quo. So that's the hardest part for most people is they say, okay, Jonathan, I do all this. I give everything away and I spend all my time helping other people. How does it come back? So my story is when I heard that speaker and he showed me how to do it, I came back to Arizona and I threw my business plan away, which was the one I described before of knocking on doors, trying to talk people into doing long-term leases, et cetera. And I just started getting involved in the community and asking everybody that I connected with, how can I help you? Now, that took me years, right? And so I didn't see the payback for years. So anybody that's listening that's thinking, I just need to make money in Q1 2020 and you know maybe this will help me. This is not an instant gratification play that I'm describing. This is truly the long game. This is someone who's got a long-term horizon that says, I want to be successful long-term. Today, if you look at Kaiser's success, it would be hard for you to believe that I started with no relationships, no contacts, a poor missionary kid from the wrong side of the tracks that just decided to help other people. Today, we're a worldwide phenomenon, you know, number one best-selling Wall Street Journal book, people that speak highly of us wherever we go. All of that started with me deciding that we were going to help as many people as possible and just selflessly serve them. And over time, people started saying, man, that Jonathan Kaiser guy, him and his team, wow, they, they really do a lot for people. If you need anything, call Jonathan. So I became that guy that everybody called to see if they could get help or to ask questions of, et cetera. And that, that became this incredible thing where over time, people started referring real estate business to me that I didn't have to go pitch, that I didn't have to go sell, that people, because I became so known for the guy that just wanted to help everybody and ask, asked for nothing in return, it created a self-fulfilling prophecy where people, people voluntarily wanted me to help them. And that's how we built this business. So here we have you know, arguably the largest, most successful business of our kind, maybe in the country. And it's all based upon us helping 
and serving other people. So I'm, I'm curious, maybe you can do this, uh, break this down for me a little bit because um, I, I think this is where a lot of people's minds will go to when it comes to this. It's like, I, I get that at a high level and I like the idea and it's a good thing. I think there's merit in just the idea of a reminder, even like a daily practice, daily reminder um, to think about how can I how can I help the people around me? How can I help my clients? You know, how can I, how can I help the people? You know, customers, whatever, where, wherever you're focused. And and I do a lot of that stuff in my business too with our partners, our affiliates, things like that. And it's it's one of those things that does come to my mind. But one of the things where I've struggled in the past, and I think where others might too, is how do you make that maybe like a systemic part of your business, or how do you? Um, that's maybe the wrong way to put it. But how do you how do you integrate it directly into your business where it becomes I understand the culture aspect, so I think that's a mindset thing. But are there also practical steps to implement or to make sure you're doing this, I guess, appropriately, the right way, where it's, you know, it's still useful? It's like, does that make sense? Because I, I think there's maybe some nuance in 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 how much you give, right? No, 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 it does. Yeah. So, so here's, it's not exactly what you asked, but I think it's the question under the question. The the hardest part. Well, the, the interesting thing about what I discuss and, and my whole philosophy is that it's very simple in concept, very nuanced in execution, right? Which is why I wrote the book. I wrote the book, You Don't Have to Be Ruthless to Win, to teach others how they can do this for themselves. And I packed it full of everything I've learned over the last 15 years. But at the end of the day, the nuance is, the, and the hardest part for people is this requires true self-reinvention. So part of why it took me so long, it took me years for this to work. Part of why it took me so long is I was still trying to use it as a tactic, mm-hmm. right? So I was, I was thinking, okay, so I kind of get it now. So if I help other people, that's going to create this innate obligation in them to want to help me back. And the more I do that, the more people are going to want to help me back, which is all true, right? That's, that's, if you look at psychology, that's true. The problem is I wasn't really serving people. I wasn't really helping people in the beginning. What I was doing instead was creepy. It was like, it was, it was like manipulation, right? At least if it's a quid pro quo trade, if I say, hey, I'm going to give you $2 and you're going to give me an ice cream cone. Cool. So that's, it's very clear that that is a exchange of value. But what I would do is I'd say, here, let me help you with something. And then I do it. But underneath it would be this like, okay, give me something in return. Give me something in return. And it wasn't until I saw that. I didn't even realize I was doing that. That was just, I think inherently all of us have that in us. Once I saw that in myself, I hired a coach and he helped me find this in myself. And I realized, wow, I don't like that. That's ugly. I don't want to be like that. I want to just serve and help people from a pure place. Once I did that, that's when it all started to take off because people could feel the authenticity. And so in the book and all throughout the book, we talk about this and how to do it. But also, that's why we created the Kaiser Institute. And the Kaiser Institute is in place to train, empower, and ultimately certify the next generation of selfless leader. And what we talk about is we talk about this reinvention from the inside out. So three levels of reinvention. Self. So if you look, if you imagine in your mind as you're driving down the road right now, I'm pointing to myself, right? Self-reinvention. Like Gandhi says, you got to be the change you want to see in the world. And then you create a company culture around that change, around that selflessness. And, and, and again, I teach that in the book because this book is for business leaders, is people that want to build a culture of service for their own organizations. 
And then like my good friend, John Mackey, who founded the Whole Foods and the Conscious Capitalism Movement tries to t- uh, often talks about is this stakeholder orientation, right? This idea that everyone that we interface with is a stakeholder in our business, whether they're a vendor, whether they're a client, whether they're a collaborator, whether they're a partner, et cetera. Whether it's the even things like, you know, are we doing good in the world, right? So the, the, the reinvention from the inside out enables an organization to actually implement this culture of selfless service for themselves. And what's been so cool about it is when I started this company, Tom, people thought I was crazy. They're like, wait a minute, you're in commercial real estate brokerage and you're walking around talking about loving and serving people. And it just felt squishy to them. What I kept telling people is like, look, I'm not saying to do this because it's the right thing. I'm not some preacher. You know, this isn't, this isn't a moral discussion for me. You, people already know that and they already do it or they don't. This is a very practical discussion. I fundamentally believe, and I have the success of my company to prove it, that if you love and serve enough people, strategically, of course, you can create extraordinary success beyond what you ever could have done ruthlessly. And we all know ruthless works because there's so many industries that are. So my point is, why do we know in our family lives, I mentioned this earlier, right? In our homes, with our kids, with our spouses, in our social social groups, in our clubs, in our churches, whatever, we understand and implement this idea of selflessness, of loving and serving other people. Yet somehow, when we get into business, we think we got to somehow leave all that behind, put on our tough suit and go fight, fight, fight. And I think the reason there's such a gap, Tom, is because people don't know how. They don't know how. And so like me, they get into an industry and they see the successful people around them behaving a certain way and they go, okay, I'm in the shark tank. So if I'm going to swim with the sharks, I better bite first. And what I'm trying to say is you're not, you're not soft. You're not weak. You're not, you're not to be trampled. I'm saying what at the end of the day, what, what creates real valuable relationships and, and relationships are the key to everything, whether it's you know, hiring people, whether it's picking up clients, whether it's being promoted in your company, it all comes down to relationships. The fastest way to relationship is for people to actually feel like you care. And for people to actually feel like you care, the fastest way to get there is by doing something for them that shows that you care that has nothing in it for you. And so for me, this is a very practical, you know, business-driven, success-driven mindset where in the future, I truly believe, I have a dream, my vision is of a world where people selflessly help each other regardless of personal gain while understanding that it's in their own personal best interest to do so. So it's not expecting a quid pro quo, but it's also understanding, like I say all the time, that you can't outgive the universe. And you never know exactly where that paying it forward is going to come back. But if you come from a mindset of paying it forward in your company, in, with your clients, with your collaborators, and you have a long-term vision over time, you'll create extraordinary success. And you'll wake up one morning like I did and said, like, what? like every day I walk in my company and I can't believe it. It's unbelievable. And back in the day when I used to be a ruthless shark and I tried to be salesy and convince people I wasn't, People knew I was a ruthless shark. And today, all I do is try to help people and try to serve people. And people walk around saying the nicest things about me. 
which is still to this day blows my mind. And 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 highly successful people like you have me on their podcast to talk about it, right? And so it's all connected. It's like it's like I'm just trying to share with the world what I've learned in my personal business. I'm not a talking head. This isn't theory. This is practical. How do you kick ass and take names? How do you win? How do you be successful? How do you make money? My personal opinion is the best way to do that is just is help as many people as possible. So how do you inculcate that then in like uh, your employees, subordinates, um, that kind of thing? Uh, like, you know, in terms of like a team, because like I understand how this could could work individually, right? And, but in terms of uh, thinking about how it might apply to a team or to other people, that always seems where that to me that is seems that that always feels like where mission statements can get like corny or um, like I was in the army. And so we always had a mission statement for like everything, you know? Um, and so I kind of always felt like it was a little forced or canned. Um, but I know there's also, I see the value in things like that as well. But I think the value only comes when you're able to like, where everybody really is, is mission driven going in the same direction. But like, I'm wondering on the selfless service side of things and incorporating this into your business, how, how do you train or inculcate that? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, and it's, it's again, the answer may seem simple, but it's nuanced in its execution. Mm-hmm. Number one, a fish rots from the head, right? And so I too am not a fan of cheesy words on a wall, cheesy mission statements. Part of the problem is that in today's world, everybody feels like they need one and most of them are completely and utterly full of shit, right? And the leaders don't live them. So number one, the leaders actually have to live what they espouse. And that's the hardest part. You know, that's the hardest part for me here at Kaiser is I have ultimate accountability, right? To me, I don't have anything like subordinates. We're all a team. We all work together. We all play an integral role and together we're more successful than we would be on our own. And the person that has the highest responsibility of adhering to our core values and our principles is me, right? And so that's the first piece is leaders say they want this in their culture, and then they blame their their people. And the reality is the fingers should be pointing inward because most leaders don't lead it. So that's the first part. Second part is, I think what, what you said, you used a word alignment, right? For me, alignment is everything. I, I, I could be probably five to, I'd say five to seven times larger than we are today already in the short period of time we've been around if I'd let everybody that wanted to be a part of our organization be a part of our organization. The problem is most people that wanted to be part of our organization wanted to join because they saw our success, but they weren't truly a cultural fit. So number number two, first, you got to lead. You got to do it. Number two, you actually have to hire people that want this, right? This is a very personal journey. So part of what makes Kaiser so unique is we have a company culture of selfless service and of teamwork and of collaboration and of one team, which again is unheard of in commercial real estate brokerage. But this is also a personal journey for everyone. So everyone's on their own personal journey of self-reinvention and becoming more selfless. And then we're all collectively working together as a team. So my, my advice on number two is you actually have to, to be very thoughtful about hiring or, main, or retaining only cultural fits. But then the third is the whole reason why we have the Kaiser Institute. There's so little out there. There's all kinds of courses and leadership stuff. And most of it's just nonsense. Like it's, it's not actually 
viable lib stuff. It's people that are hawking wares. A lot of it's snake oil. So part of what we did in this Kaiser Institute is there's got to be constant refining, constant sharpening the saw, constant process improvement, constant accountability so that people are able to continue to grow. So that's the whole point of the Kaiser Institute is not only to train, empower, and ultimately certify the next generation of selfless leader, but to also provide a mechanism for companies to be able to implement this in their own business. I mean, I wrote the book saying, hey, if you want to just do it yourself, here's everything I know. Take it, do it. I want the world to be a better place. But if you need additional help through the Kaiser Institute, we have all kinds of courses. We actually have one starting in January. That's an online six-week guided course. So it's this idea of helping people actually integrate this into their business model. Because again, like I started the answer to this question, it's simple in concept, right? Create a culture of selfless service. Okay, so we all help each other. Got it. Yeah, but that's not really the, the, that, that's not really the whole story. There's a lot of nuance in it. And so that's why we have all these tools and tactics. But anybody that wants to learn more can just buy the book. Um, and in the book, everything you need to know about how to do it is in there. Well, let me ask you one probably final question um, before we wrap up because... And I definitely think the books we're checking out, like go go pick it up, guys, and dive in. But on this this on this front, because we're kind of talking about alignment between you know you as the the leader, the owner, you know the the CEO, the founder, um, with your team, employees, subordinates, uh, but also um, you know clients and customers, and the alignment between you know you, the team, and them as well. I'm wondering, like. You mentioned something about, and I know this is unique to commercial real estate. You mentioned something um, along the lines of like kind of being tenant focused. Yes, um, correct. To me, that seems like, I, as far as I understand commercial real estate or just real estate in general, that does seem different. And so I'm wondering though, then is, is this the kind of strategy that requires, because you said it's a big, you know, a mindset shift. It's a big change, you know, may, you know, from maybe a character standpoint, an internal standpoint, but does it also have to be like, um, a business model shift a little bit? Like, does there have to be like practical? Like, do you actually have to maybe change what you're doing a little bit to make sure you're aligned with the right, the interests of the right people? Yes, 100%. I mean, the, 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 that's a great question, Tom. The benefit, the benefit that we've had here at Kaiser is I've built this from the ground up, right? So we've been able to put this into place from the beginning. But for a lot of you who already have a business or are in a business, you know, a lot of this cultural change does require strategy shift. It does require rethinking some of the things you do. You know, when even senior brokers join our team, they're amazed at how differently we do what we do. Now, the fundamental, you know, elements of negotiating a lease and and, and all those kinds of things, I mean, a lot of the skill sets transfer over, but the way that we serve, I mean, we typically spend three to four times the amount of time with our clients because we want to go so far above and beyond than our competition. And we want to make sure that you know we're focused on providing them with unconflicted representation and someone that really cares. So again, some of that can sound soft and squishy and cheesy almost. But at the end of the day, when people... Kaiser's an experience. When you experience us, what most people say is, oh my goodness, I've been looking for this my entire life. Where have you guys been? So it's that kind of mindset of you almost don't know what you're missing until you have it. Like people that are here and members of the team, 
they love being part of this culture because it's a safe oasis in the middle of a ruthless shark tank. So bringing that around to, to each of you listening, you know, at the end of the day, for me, our culture is our competitive advantage. Our culture is the reason why clients want to hire us, why people want to join us. And we won't take on a client unless it'll be fun for everyone because nothing is worth sacrificing our happiness over, right? So we're lighthearted and playful in all that we do. So from a fundamental level, it's ensuring that the people that you're working with, the people that you're working for, that we're all in this together. And when you do, you create extraordinary, not only stickiness, like people like to say, we don't lose clients very often. And when we do, it's, 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 it's always a shock because we'd spend so much time serving them. There's usually a reason like, you know, they hired a new CFO and they have a new relationship or they, they've had a relationship for 20 years or whatever. So it's like it creates this incredible stickiness and it, it makes people want to work for us. And so we have people that, that would never work anywhere else. And that kind of loyalty is unusual in a ruthless environment. So for all of you, you know, that same sort of culture as your competitive advantage, I think is a possibility. And in the future, you know, the, the, the age of top-down leadership is behind us. And those ruthless sharks that still think that that flies in today's world, they're a dinosaur and they don't, they don't even realize that they're a dinosaur. And so, you know, I believe that the only way to really create success in the future is to have a mindset to, to reinvent yourself as a selfless leader and create a culture of selfless leadership. Otherwise, companies like mine are going to quickly start picking up the best talent, quickly start picking up the best business, and, and those ruthless sharks will be left behind wondering what happened. I love it. Well, you know, this has been a great conversation, Jonathan. There are like a few other questions that popped into mind. I could probably keep going, but I think that's what the book is for, as you've mentioned. So I'm going to encourage everybody listening to go pick it up. Uh, it's obviously a no-brainer. I'm sure it's at all bookstores, uh, on all bookshelves. But other than that too, Jonathan, um, where can they reach out to find you, connect with you, or learn more about what you do? Ruthlessbook.com is where you can go to get the book. Uh, you could also go to kaiserinstitute.com. And Kaiser is spelled K-E-Y, not K-A-I. So K-E-Y-S-E-R-institute.com. And then jonathankaiser.com. Uh, as well, has some additional things. And so one, I appreciate you you having me on, Tom. It's been a pleasure. And if I could ever be of service to you or anybody, anybody in your audience, please let me know. Jonathan, thank you so much, man. This was a real pleasure. And uh, thank you for being on In the Trenches. Thanks for having me. And that wraps up another broadcast of In the Trenches. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a rating review. Just go to tommorcus.com slash iTunes, and that'll take you to iTunes where you can leave a five-star rating review. And that really helps spread the word about this podcast. And finally, if you need help growing your online business or generating new traffic leads and sales at a profit, reach out to me at tom at tomworkus.com or head over to the website tomworkus.com and sign up for the free newsletter. That's it for today. Stay frosty.